0: welcome to biv today the daily podcast from the news from a business in vancouver i'm kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief earlier this week the provincial government released its proposed budget for the 22-23 fiscal year posting better than expected deficit numbers for the fiscal year ending this march but deficits over at least the next three years there are no new major taxes coming but there's also no effort to really please business groups calling for tax reform in British Columbia. We wanna look now at the provincial finances with Ken Peacock, the Chief Economist for the Business Council of BC. Ken also contributes a monthly column to BIV with his colleague, Jock Finlayson. He joins me now. Good to see you. Good to see you. as welcome. It's been such a busy week, um, but I I think we let's try to cling to the issue of, uh, of, of a provincial budget. What kind of signals did you get as an economist about the direction of provincial finances as a result of this one?
1: Ah, that's a good question. It's it was difficult to discern any any sort of clear signals. Uh, in in a lot of ways, this budget was uh, a sort of a take no aggressive measures, stay the course, and get through the pandemic. Generous amounts of funding to address health issues related to the pandemic. Uh, not surprising. Uh, Lots of funding for supports of individuals and households. But but really, if you're looking for some sort of theme or strategy uh, that directs some attention towards measures that would help improve the competitive position of the provincial economy, attract more business investment, uh, support our export sectors, and just just, uh, any measures that are targeted towards growing the economy, growing the pie, Uh, They were very sparse and fewer and far between. So in a lot of ways, it kind of missed an opportunity, this budget, I would say. Yeah,
0: I think five days earlier, uh, the province revealed a a very substantial, aspirational uh, economic recovery plan. Um, Why weren't there, you know, lots of meat put on the bones of that on Tuesday?
1: Yeah, I think there's a a couple factors. It it was interesting. You're right. They did release the economic plan. This government did release the economic plan about a week before the budget. So we fully expected the the budget to come in behind that and and, uh, devote more attention to some of the items identified in that economic plan. There was definitely some coordination between the two documents. Part of the challenge was that the economic development plan that the government introduced was kind of more strategic and visionary than um, sort of meat and potatoes, economic development. What, what might we do to improve BC's competitive position? Uh, and because it was more visionary in nature, some of the more immediate spending measures that we would have liked to see didn't didn't show up or materialize in, in the budget. And I, I would just add the additional comment in that while we were very much pleased to see uh, economic development and uh, the, the need to kind of grow the economic pie and BC show up on the government's radar. Uh, when you start to dig into some of those measures that were contained and purported to be under the rubric or the umbrella of economic development and improving prosperity, uh, a lot of them were not sort of squarely on improving the pet- competitive position, and we're more aligned with improving households and and that type of thing. So uh, even the measures that the government introduced were softer than we would have hoped for.
0: Yeah, it, it, the plan itself had more of a support feel than an enabling of growth and prosperity feel to it. Um, is that just something we have to get used to with an NDP government, that this is not its forte?
1: Yeah, it's it, it, there's a few factors. I mean, the, clearly, this government came to power uh, on a platform of uh, you know su- supporting individuals, households. Uh, trying to address inequality and, and housing and, and social supports in general. So, yes, it's it's a factor of the government. It's also a, a factor of, of the times. I mean, there's a great deal of concern, obviously, a need to address climate change, um, I- inequality, and, and this pandemic has sort of shifted the landscape as well. So, so in addition to the government coming to, to power and following through on its agenda, of uh, improving social supports. I, find, I think we find ourselves kind of in this climate and global backdrop and external backdrop that is just sort of adding on and making it even more of a challenge. Governments find themselves uh, more and more in, in need to address these issues. And it seems while that is happening, at least here in this province, the concern about um, you know higher paying jobs which industries are going to drive prosperity where do we have our competitive advantages what industries and what sectors can uh, grow and compete and sell their goods and services into the global marketplace these types of questions seem to have kind of dropped down in terms of priority for the government
0: and yet uh, the inevitability of a lot of the uh, investments that the ndp government wishes to make in individuals and in households Uh, comes with a price tag, uh, comes with a price tag that obviously needs some revenue um, to support it. Uh, Did you see anything in the budget that uh, hints at uh, where the government feels the revenue can come from in years ahead?
1: Uh, there's certainly the, 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 theme, I mean, if you, if you had to identify a theme for economic development and, and where the government thinks opportunities lies, it's definitely in greening and, and clean and carbon reduction emissions, that segment and element of the economy, uh, where we come from and what we're more concerned with though, is, is just kind of growing and improving the overall picture. Yes. Some niche industries, some sectors hold promise uh, to grow, but many of these, green segments and green initiatives and greening of the economy are, are smaller in nature. Uh, we were hoping for, let, let's take a step back, look at the overall tax burden, um, what businesses are paying. Let's recognize the reality that business costs have surged dramatically in the last three or four years. Uh, new taxes, employer health taxes, rising fees and premiums across the board uh, and, and see what might be done to try and kind of improve the competitiveness conditions and and get business to invest more in the margin. I mean, we could talk about PST reform and many of these other things. Those are bigger steps, but really, when you step back and take a look at the margin, there there was nothing to to kind of address this broad, uh, the hosting conditions environment in the province. There was some boutique measures. Uh, One important thing for the business council was the it sort of under the economic development umbrella uh, and and strategic initiatives there is some funding included uh, to address uh, trade exposed industries and the uh, the increasingly punitive amounts of carbon tax that these sectors face while other competing jurisdictions don't face a, a similar level of uh, carbon pricing or carbon tax so there is some funding in there i i, I was a little concerned Uh, when I read the details of that, that it won't materialize for a couple more years. Uh, The Business Council, we've been working very, very closely and very, very hard with the provincial government to try and reconcile uh, this this challenge that our exporters find themselves in in the predicament with with the carbon tax. Um, So to us, it's quite a pressing issue because sort of as we speak, capital is flowing to other jurisdictions. The forest sector is not seeing reinvestment. Um, so, So there is a need to address this and provide some certainty, but the funding doesn't show up for a couple more years. So that was a bit of a puzzle, uh, to, to my mind, at least, Kurt.
0: Yeah, uh, this week, uh, our print edition features uh, more than a dozen of the so-called unicorns, the companies uh, that have suddenly shot up and now have uh, valuations of over a billion dollars. You know, as I as I look at these companies, I, I wonder, like, what is going to keep them here, except for perhaps founders that kind of like, you know, like getting their kids to school, you know, in in British Columbia. Um, You know, again, was there anything here you think that, um, or uh, that helps, you know, identify these companies, uh, make them stay put here and uh, not lose them? Um, or, Or is this just one of these things where the government's kicking the can down the road and saying... You know, nobody seems to be leaving. We we don't have any big big losses. Um, therefore, we're not doing anything wrong. Well.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, when when you step back and take a look at the budget, the uh, the the fact that there was this huge upside revenue surprise, which you noted at the outside, which means you know for the current fiscal year, which ends this March. Uh, The government is actually probably going to well, it is it's going to going to post a surplus of of close to three billion dollars because of the surge in revenues uh, coming from corporate income tax, upside surprise on personal income tax, uh, export growth and revenues from the natural resource sector. All this has led to
0: and federal uh, money. And federal, and, and
1: federal money so the the the, the province finds itself in a good financial position for the for this fiscal year uh to, to my mind there was this opportunity to carry forward that momentum send a clear signal that uh that this province is in good fiscal shape and that they will either be looking to uh, trim taxes and, and improve the competitive position uh for these high value uh, sectors and industries in the future i mean absolutely i think you put your finger on an important point there's Something going on in the technology space here in British Columbia. It really is robust. It really is growing. There are unicorns. There's the digital supercluster. Uh, lots going on. So, so where is the strategic initiative to really double down? take advantage of that, take advantage of our strong position and say, Hey, we want the world's uh, best and brightest here. And we're going to look to trim top marginal uh, tax rates to try and entice and attract people here rather than this sort of status quo. We're just going to wait and see uh, what's going to happen with no real uh, signal that this is a place that uh, people want to come and do business and set up operations here in BC, uh, a, a big opportunity. And I think to a large extent squandered,
0: Yeah, know, one area uh, that, Uh, Was a pleasant surprise, even for the government, that it didn't count on. Uh, But if you take a look at it, it makes some sense. Is real estate, like uh, property transfer taxes, were four times more in terms of revenue than the the government expected in the last year. Um, Again, it's a you know it's a golden goose, right? Uh, (laughs) It's it's laying eggs. Um, uh, What what do we? see happening now though, because the government again is looking like it wants to keep its fingers very much in that pie around uh, real estate and and revenue, it wants to derive from it. Uh, And yet wants to talk all the time about um, improving affordability in the province. Um, Can it do both?
1: Well, well, yeah, the the affordability challenge, it it really is a vexing problem. Uh, for governments uh, here again, this budget, and this this is my, my earlier comments about uh, thinking some of the economic development measures that are purported to kind of strengthen and grow the economy. A lot of that funding was on, on and directed to exactly what we're talking about housing. So traditionally housing is more kind of in the realm of social supports, particularly when you're talking low income housing, but this government opted in this budget to put it in the economic development realm which is fine because we do need housing but uh but, but again a lot of that economic development more social supports uh what the government can do uh, this is another budget that is is going to look to to build lower low cost housing low cost rental housing government has a long term plan for that but it's exceedingly challenging uh, given the, the the steep rise in housing costs and now we have a steep increase in building costs Uh, So it's it's very much a situation where government continues to chase rising prices and most of the policies, and this isn't a criticism in any way, because uh, for the most part, federal and provincial governments are kind of boxed in in this problem, but most of the policies that governments end up introducing to try and help Uh, buyers get into the housing market, end up exacerbating the problem because it just provides uh, support and funding for more people trying to get into a market where there's a limited supply of housing. Uh, I'm not suggesting that governments really have any other option. They do need to continue to support and try and help lower income people with rental and getting into the housing market. But uh, when you look around the world, Kirk, a lot of these, I mean, right right around the globe, coastal cities like Vancouver all face high housing costs. So there's a, something going on more at a global level that really is driving up real estate in these coastal gateway yep. cities. It's the same problem in Toronto. So, you know, on top of that kind of global pressure, we've got local land constraint issues. Uh, so to my mind, it, it really is a tough and intractable intractable problem in many ways Yeah, and,
0: you're, and you've got a, a lot of the housing stock picked up by investors you know th- these are not uh, not people that own one home but many many homes um i want to get uh as we as we conclude here uh one a, a, an initial take here on uh what the situation in ukraine uh has in the way of a potential uh impact for the british Columbian and canadian economies in this uh what are you uh, what are you projecting here?
1: It, it's pure speculation. No, it, it, international relations uh, is, is outside the realm of my expertise, for for, for sure, well outside my realm of expertise. Uh, I, I am absolutely fixated and and very much concerned, of course, Kirk. This is, to my mind, a very volatile situation that could escalate very, very quickly. And, and any sort of um war on continental europe is not at all good for any any economy anywhere in the globe i mean who knows what happens to energy prices more global supply chain disruptions and then the the prospect of the of a war actually escalating i i actually can't even comprehend it trying to make sense i'm still trying to make sense of the pandemic and what the fallout from that was throwing the prospect yeah. of a major war in europe on top of that it really is incomprehensible kirk i do not do not know uh my, yeah. my initial inclination is it's not good and it's negative and some of these deficits that are built in to to, to this budget may turn out to to be uh, reality very much reality rather than yeah. surprising on the upside
0: well, I remember two years ago with the contingencies that were being put put aside and the finance minister at the time didn't even have a plan for COVID uh, and that was only two years ago. So uh, there's no real plan uh, in the event that we start seeing energy prices and a lot of other things convulse on markets uh, as a result uh, commodities in particular uh, and supply chain issues. As a, as a result of this, but uh, just, but it's, just, it's uh, important. You, you
1: tweaked my you tweaked my memory there. Just just on the plan, I, I, I must say I was disappointed in the previous budget. This government said, uh, with respect to returning to budgetary balance, that that it was still too uncertain. The pandemic and the path of the pandemic w- w- was uh, was unclear, so it didn't commit to any sort of formal framework or plan for returning to balance. But it did commit to saying next year, which is this budget, it would identify a plan while we come to this budget. And there is no sort of tangible plan to get no. get back to balance. And in fact, the the, the plan is quite the opposite. It, it builds. In deficits over over the budget horizon, which is yeah. precisely the opposite yeah. of what it signaled last year, and again missed opportunity to send a good, strong signal to investors in global markets that we were in.
0: Strong we we, we could talk about this for quite some time, but I was also uh, uh, struck by the fact that uh, uh, they lifted the penalty on cabinet minister salaries when they exceeded their budgets. <laughs> you were getting a ten percent reduction in your salary if you exceeded your budget well that went out the window on tuesday so
1: yeah and, that's, like just of, an, and well. that's just another signal that that this this kind of notion of returning to balance over the medium term is kind of fade, fading away as a as a guiding principle for this government
0: yeah. feels like a bit of a losing battle right now um always good to talk to you ken i really appreciate yeah. your help today and contributions to biv with uh, with the writing you and jock do every month for us uh, thanks for your time
1: thank you thanks for having me on
0: Ken Peacock is the Chief Economist at Business Council of British Columbia. I'm Kirk Lapointe, Publisher and Editor-in-Chief at VIB. Thanks a lot for watching.